Hello there, esteemed audience. Welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I am Rob Kent, the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, uh, which as you surely know by now is available in paperback, uh, is available as an audiobook narrated by the wonderful David Radke. Uh, and the electronic book is permanently free to download across multiple platforms. So whenever you're watching or listening to this, you can get your copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. Uh, think of it as uh, an Iron Man, Batman type character at age 11. It's a good time to get y'all set up for Banneker Bones and the Alligator People, uh, which will be coming out yet this year, as well as an untitled surprise third Banneker story. Uh, under the super secret pen name Robert Kent, I've written the young adult novel Altogether Now, a zombie story, as well as All Right Now, a short zombie story. Uh, and then I've also written a very Stephen King-esque uh, large volume, The Book of David, which is available as five separate serial novels. The first of those serial novels is available to download for free as an ebook. Uh, so if you like middle grade fiction, but you wish there was just more profanity, more violence, more, more all the adult subject, the Book of David is where you want to head. Uh, and then lastly, always make sure you go to check out middlegradeninja.com. You can read interviews with hundreds of literary agents, editors, and authors, uh, including today's guest, uh, Amy Tipton, who I am so excited to have on here. Amy, how are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Uh, Amy is a former uh, literary agent and she's uh, started a brand new exciting editing adventure. Uh, Amy, why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about, about your background and what you're up to now? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I was a literary agent with Fine Print. In 2009, I left Fine Print to go to Signature Literary Agency with Ellen Peppis and Gary Height. Um, they were great. I was there for like almost 10 years. I've been an agent in publishing for like 13, 14 years. I've been agent probably about 10 or 11 of those years. And then I went on to Sharp Barrel Girl Books, which I'm doing right now. It's an editorial service for women and women identifying gender queer all these writers that are amazing and talented and really like i feel it's a necessity like it was born out of a necessity so i'm making these services available to these people um these other writers just for the fact that cisgendered like white straight men get like richer faster in this industry so i'm here to like help like those other writers but amy what's going to be available for the heterosexual white men like me there's all <laughs> kinds of books already for you um but also i have like things in the works for like helping male writers as well like doing something in the summer maybe for them but it's barely an idea right now i'm focused on females of all types um i want to help like them with the wage gap i know that it's an expense i know that you're thinking oh it's a luxury item oh it's hard to get an editor 
But really, like Audre Lorde said, like poetry is not a luxury. Well, writing is not really luxury, it's a necessity. And so we need all of these voices out there to help other people with the same problems. So that's where I'm coming in. I know that I was born on the West Coast. I, well, I wasn't born on the West Coast. I was raised in California. In the 90s, I came from age, like in high school, in the 90s around the Red Girl Movement and Bikini Kill was like the end all be all to me. And Kathy Pan is the lead singer and she believes like archiving is a vital feminist act and so do i like that is where i don't want women to get erased so i feel like we need to pick up these voices like we need to start building our own canon in a way like women need to come together and start writing from different economic backgrounds, different able, like I'm disabled, so I'm big on disability. Um, I am really big on just like getting all POC voices, all kinds of POVs perspectives out there for these people's read. I don't want anyone to be left behind. So it's important to see yourself. It's important to be represented. Oh, all, all joking aside, I think this is a, an important thing that you're doing. Uh, and it's good that you're out there providing this for this specific underserved group, because the way that we're going to change our society is to change our uh, perspective. And that begins with the sort of art that's available for us to intake. So good for you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm going to say some more nice things about you. I want to uh, pick uh, your mind about editing and publishing. I've got all sorts of questions lined up for you, but I do want to thank you specifically because when you were a literary agent with uh, Signature Literary, uh, you were the first ever literary agent to be interviewed on middlegradeninja.com. I think I was in contact with you because I wanted to get to Courtney Summers, uh, which is who, who is also available at middlegradeninja.com. What a wonderful interview. Uh, and you said, well, hey, would you ever want to interview? Uh, and I'd interviewed, I don't know, 50 plus authors at that point. Uh, and you said, would you ever want to interview a literary agent? And it was just like a light bulb went off above my head. Like, oh, yeah, I bet I bet people would love to read interviews with literary agents. And they absolutely have. And every literary agent that has ever appeared at middlegradeninja.com uh, has only been because you took that first step um, and, and, and made it uh, OK. You know, somebody as cool as Amy Tipton. Uh, is appearing at middle grade and I would imagine other literary agents to be thinking, I guess I could I could do that as well. So thank you so much for that. And thank you also, you are thanked in the back of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. Uh, because back in the querying days, um, I used to do the uh, super sneaky thing of, hey, I want to be on my blog, also want to read my book. Uh, I regret nothing. <laughs> it was uh, and uh, I had uh, struggled uh, with an early draft. There were too many characters being introduced and, and too many relationships. Uh, and one of the uh, central things of, of Banneker Bones is it is about uh, an interracial family, just like mine. Um, we've got a, a white husband, a black woman, and Banneker himself, of course, is, is biracial like my son. And then they also have an adopted daughter who's Chinese. 
Uh, and so I had gone through a couple of different paragraphs trying to point out to, to people that would that would wonder well, how how does how do you get Chinese from a, a black uh, mother and a, and, a, and a white father? Uh, and it was your idea to just have her say, I'm adopted. And it was such a wonderful moment. It's one of my favorite lines in the book because it's such a very link thing to say. And it really illuminated the character for me. Is, oh, she would be proud of that. She would walk up to, 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 to new people and just say flat out, I'm adopted. I was a wonderful line. So I want to vouch for the editing services of Amy <laughs> Tipton. They have helped me out tremendously. They will help you out as well. Uh, and let's uh, talk a little bit about some other folks you've helped, because uh, you helped uh, Amy Reed, um, yeah. you've helped Courtney Summers, you've helped a, a lot of other clients. In fact, why don't we start there? Uh, who are some of the authors that you've worked with as a literary agent, if, if that's comfortable? Yeah, like, I mean, you have my entire list. So you know that I've worked with Courtney, you know I've worked with Amy, you know that I worked with Kirsten Cronmills, who also is like an amazing writer. She won the 2014 Stonewall Award. So like, I have a really good like, like credit or like what they give, bring to the table. Like they give me, like I am honored to work with these people in these books, Katya, Jeff, I don't know how to even pronounce it because people only email. But um, Katya is like doing What the Woods Keep, which is my first sci-fi thriller, mystery, whatever you want to call it. It's really good is what you want to call it. Um, Kayla Ancrum is another amazing author. And like, I have a huge list of people. Scott Southern is on my list, Kathy. Cooperman is on my list. Marcy Blackman was on my list. Uh, I just, I work with all kinds of people. Um, and people you might not know, like I did before, uh, like before they became famous, before they have books, they found like me first. Um, I worked with Victoria Schwab. I worked with Tara, um, Mafia, I've worked with DC Whitney, I worked with Suzanne Young. Like I've worked with a lot of people and know a lot of people. <laughs> so I do. I have a really good background. I have a really strong background of editing. And I'm more behind the scenes. So therefore I'm quiet doing interviews like this. And like I do feel weird. I had a stroke in 2009, so it affected my voice. And I do not like talking because of my voice, but you know, like I'm not gonna pass up opportunities. I was freaked out like before 2009 when I had a fine voice, but I wasn't gonna pass up the opportunity like working with you and being on your, middle grade ninja i was like you know i'm gonna do these interviews i want to be seen i want to be heard i'm gonna fight for like my right to talk and like be seen and i think that's also why feral girl books is like so me like it's exactly where i'm supposed to be and who i'm supposed to be 
Well, I think you're uh, doing a wonderful job. I can absolutely hear you. I can absolutely vouch for your written and uh, editing abilities. Um, but I'm uh, hearing you very clearly. I'm sure that the listener is as well. And I want to know, um, I want to peek inside your mind and know some of what you know over 14, 15 years experience of working with such great authors. In fact, a, a follow-up question uh, that I wanted to ask you, because you have worked with a lot of superstars. I always uh, put Courtney Summers up front yeah. because she thanked me in the back of this is not a test. Uh, and that's one of my proudest moments. I'm more proud of my name being on that, that book, book than I am on my books. <laughs> oh my God, I, I bugged Courtney, I think five or six years. I said, please write a zombie book, please write a zombie book, please write a zombie book. And she was already a zombie fan, so it just worked out that she wanted to write a zombie book. But she was nice enough to, to pretend that I, I maybe had something to do with nudging her in that direction. It was a wonderful book. Um, but what is it that, in working with so many of these wonderful authors, are, is there a specific quality um, that you can sense in an author? What, what are the qualities of a successful author that you've noticed from working with so many? I just have a really good eye, I think. Like, I have a keen and discerning, like, eye for potential. Like, I was known, randomly, like, three authors wrote me and asked me about agenting. I was kind of, like, said I was the Mr. Rogers of Asians. Like, I... Like, Mr. Rogers would build up confidence and, like, set you off into the world, you know, like, both, like, be confident in, in yourself. I was kind of like Mr. Rogers in the way that I would nurture writers for these long, successful careers. Like, Courtney came to me, and she was amazing from the start, like, very talented. I enjoyed the first book. Obviously, I sold it. I love the book. Cracked up to be, will always be, like, the end-all, be-all for me. But, um... I don't know how these things are decided, but if I get a vote, I go ahead and vote that that is, uh, is already a classic young adult novel. It's <laughs> it such a classic. I love that book. But, um... Like, this is not a test. You can see a progression of, like, that's her fourth book. So you can see, like, from the beginning to, like, this is not a test, to how, like, she set things up. Like, the pacing on that book is so incredible. And I was on the edge of my seat reading the draft, just reading it. I was like, this is really good. And I'm not sure how much I had to do with that book, but I was in the book. Like, I'm a character named Miss Tipton. I think it's page, like, 82 or something. I was like, if that book becomes a movie, I'm Meryl Streep. I'm like, that's like me. Meryl Streep. She's got to be me. <laughs> We're laughing about that, but... I actually like came up with the title. Like that's how involved I am with like your process of working with you on your books. I came up with the title This Snot Test because she had in the book like they're calling the service and one of the characters said, um Tina is whatever, uh, the B word or something. And I was like, Tina, oh, are you saying because, like, Tina, this is not a test. And I was like, are you doing that because of this? And she was like, no. 
I think it's just subconscious she was, but I brought it out and said, this is what your book should be called. Like Some Girls Are was originally titled Some Girls Are Just. And I was like, let's cut off just. So yeah, she wrote that title, but I like cut off the last word and helped with the title. So I'm really hands-on. If you want me to be a hands-on agent, I was really hands-on. And that's why, again, I think I'm really good editor and editorial service person because I offer all kinds of like nurturing and support. Yes, I give memes, I give gifts, I send you videos, I talk trash about TV. Like, <laughs> which is an important quality. I, I'm fun. I'm a fun person. I'm very friendly. I'm very open. So I am gonna communicate with you and I will give you as much hands-on experience as you need. Amy Reed is a different story. I didn't really have to do much with her because she didn't want much. She was really talented. She's an incredible writer. And I think it was more business-oriented stuff for her. Like, I didn't send as many memes or GIFs or YouTube videos or whatever but I would talk more to an editor for her. And I would talk about advances. I would talk about nitpicking contract stuff. I would talk about royalties, like things like that, like more for her. And then Courtney, uh, she was incredible and she's talented and she's amazing. And she didn't need as much but we like collaborate we work really well together we became really good friends and so therefore yes i sent her memes and gifts and videos <laughs> and um more of like a mr rogers to now she's off to some other agent and she's gonna have a really long successful career and I think that's also because she's driven, like that's who she is. And I think all of my authors are very driven people and that's who they are. They're gonna have really long, successful careers. And I built that foundation and I'm really proud of building that foundation for them. So what, uh... What's the difference, just in practical terms now, of working uh, with people as uh, an editor and just an editor as opposed to an editor slash literary agent? It was really hard for me as a literary agent because I'm only one person and I worked out of my office. And yes, I had colleagues, but we were a very small agency. So you're basically, uh, when you worked as Signature or Fine Friend, we weren't huge. We didn't have like a royalty contract. We didn't have a contract place. We didn't have a film person or an audio person. So all these jobs fell on me. Like I was not only your hands-on literary agent, but I was doing audio for you if we kept those rights. I was doing film for you if we kept those rights. And you mostly keep those rates. Um, 
if your agent like is good or whatever. <laughs> um, it's okay. You can say it. You're on here because you're a good agent. Tell us what it, good agents do. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, you know, like, I'm only one person, and we have a really one-stop shop culture, like a really fast food culture, where the writer is going to come to an agent and expects them to do everything for them. And it's like, it got to be an insane workload. It's really a lot of stuff that I was, like, juggling, like, subs and doing submissions and following up with those submissions and following up is really frustrating because you have editors that don't read your work or they haven't read it yet or they just flat out ignore you and like doing that and talking to them about advances and publishers don't like obviously to give you big in like advances, even though writers deserve them and deserve all the money in the world, they're not willing to like budge and maybe they'll give you like a bonus clause in your contract. But it's like, I don't know, looking at all the things I was doing, I was like, oh man, I just want to like, I'm not really this person. I really am creative. I'm really hands-on collaborating. And I want to read, basically. That's why I got in this job, is to read and uh, like make books and make them better. So I was like, I'm not a suit. I didn't go to school to be a number cruncher or like any of the things that you're supposed to be doing as a literary agent, like I'm not a business person. So therefore I was thinking about starting my own agency. And then I was like, oh, that's just a lot of stuff. And then I ended up talking to another agent I know and they said, oh, you can't be as creative as you want to be it's really hard because you have a different hat like you are the business side of like this is your business so i was like oh either i'm gonna be a literary agent at some other business or i'm gonna start my own and therefore i was like hey i'm going editorial i'm gonna start my own business I'm going to do this and I'm going to be able to read lots of books. I'm going to be able to help the people I want to help. I'm going to be a sounding board. I'm going to brainstorm ideas. I'm going to take all this stuff I learned as a literary agent and apply it to editing. You know, like I'm always going to have the eye for business or what's going to sell. Like I'm going to take what i know and i'm gonna apply it here so now you're uh, kind of following your heart and doing what you everything you loved about literary agenting without the stuff that you did yes that is true i am definitely involved in like 
like reading lots of things and I actually am doing coaching now. I'm writing coach. So you can come to me and I'm basically like an agent without agenting. <laughs> you know, like I don't have to do your contract. I'm not looking at your warranty statements. I'm not like doing following up with editors. I'm not like doing subs for you but i will look at like your your agenting list and i'll i pretty much know like more than the average freelance editor and i know like i've access that your average freelance editor might not so i can use that and help you and therefore i do like i am mr rogers so um what uh what types of projects are you looking to work with if somebody's hearing this and this uh, amy tipton sounds amazing and because you, you are uh how do i get my work in front of her and, and how do i uh and how do i get her to work with me what what is it that you're looking for well i just started out so i'm not like necessarily picking and choosing like a lot um i'm known as a really picky person and i am picky when i'm working with you as your rating coach and like be your agent without agenting like i will three months do that for you and therefore i'm looking for the stuff i used to do as an agent like i was known for reality based girl centric ya so I'm really interested in doing that, but I also have done like big adult books. Like Kathy Cooperman is doing really well with her adult audience. She's with Amazon and her, her first book is amazing. It's called Crimes Against Their Book Club. And it's almost like weeds in a way like that show we it's where yeah it's kind of like that meets the music man like it's all about like these two women that go into business together that form like a company but it's kind of a shady company because they deal with the fraud and illicit things so yeah i'm not saying i like shady things but <laughs> But we um, all like shady things occasionally. Uh, sure, a little I, bit fun. I'm really into like dark thrillers. I'm really into mysteries. I'm really into like these random women that are funny outside of like your average, like they want the perfect boyfriend. They want kids. They're looking for this. I want like women that are well-rounded that are thinking outside the box that have goals other than your boyfriend or going to prom or getting into that size two dress. I want women that live full lives. Like that's who I'm most interested in reading about. So I'm here to help those ladies. And what, uh, what is the best way for writers, again, who are hearing this and, and saying, sign me up, I, I want to work with Amy Tipton, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and to get in touch? 
I would say reach out by email bellgirlbooks at gmail.com. You can also reach me. Like, I am very accessible, very communicative. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Tumblr. Like, you can reach me through my website, amy tiptoncom I am open and receptive to everyone and anyone. Like, I will talk your face off, basically. And I'll send you a meme. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be uh, soothing, hopefully, after they get the editorial notes. I'm like, wait, this book wasn't perfect? Oh, yeah, no. I'm pretty, <laughs> like, I care so much. That's why I'm harsh. Like, I am known as Mr. Rogers because I am nurturing. Sure, I'm supportive. I care a lot about your book. But I'm also, I have an edge, like, I am going to be harsh on you. I'm going to focus on your critique, like, what needs to be fixed? Like, that's when you come to me. You want your book to be the best book it can be. So I'm there to help you fix it. I'm not there to tell you everything is great and I had to learn to soften my critique. And over the years, my critique got softened. I'll put smiley faces or what I like when I'm reading. I'll say, oh, this is great. But I didn't used to. And I still don't have that mindset. Like, I have to make myself tell you, oh, this is working. This is good. Because that is also helpful feedback. I just, I don't know, in my mind, I never saw it as helpful. Like, I just assumed, oh, that's good, move on. Like, we're looking, we're focusing on things that actually need fixing, and I'm here to fix it, you know? Like, I'm your book doctor or whatever, you know? That makes sense. When I uh, meet with uh, my editors or my critique partners and, and we sit down and we, we, we have a firm rule that we start one round with say everybody say positive things about the project. Say what you like because the next round is going to be devastating. Uh, and I get impatient through that first round. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's good. I wrote it. I like it. Tell me what's not good. <laughs> exactly. That's how I am as a writer. I went to like writing colleges and for schooling. I am really big on like reading my work, tell me what's wrong with it because yes, I know I can write. I know that this part is good. I know my character is doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's get on with it. I went to Naropa too, and that also is like, like a weird experience. <laughs> Because everyone there is like really positive and very woo woo. Like, where, <laughs> yeah, like, Girl Girl Books came out of a dream. Like, I know that sounds woo woo and crazy. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I haven't done like some meditation, I haven't lit incense, but I swear. I'm not this woo-woo person. Well, there's no judgment here. I've asked my last uh, three guests whether or not they believe in flying saucers. I've decided that's going to be one of my new things. In fact, while I'm thinking about it, Amy Tipton, 
Do you believe in flying saucers or have you seen one? No, I haven't seen one. I, I don't know if I believe, but I'm like, I leave 1% or whatever. I'd say I'm sure 99.9% .9 positive that some things do not exist. But I'm always gonna leave that one, that point one percent or whatever, because I don't know. I don't know anything really. Like, who am I to say they don't exist or aliens haven't come to this, like this planet and seen us and left because we are not so great. Let me uh, get us right back on track, but uh, sooner or later, I promise the esteemed audience, I'm going to ask that question. Sooner or later, we're going to have an episode where somebody says, not only have do I believe in them, but I've seen one. Let me tell you the full story of my encounter, and that's going to be exciting for all of us. Um, so people who are hearing this, who are getting all fired up, uh, they know how to get in touch with you. Uh, they know that, obviously, um, while you are going to sprinkle in some praise, you're going to shoot them straight. You're going to give them honest feedback that they can use and apply to make their book better. Don't call it Some Girls Are Just. What a, what a terrible title. Oh, Courtney, oh. what were you thinking? Thank God for Amy Tipton to, to cut off that last word. Um, what uh, what services can the – not what services – what uh, what how would you describe the experience that a writer that reaches out to you can look forward to? What's that relationship going to be like? It depends on what the writer wants. Like I offer, yeah, I offer services like developmental reads on Tumblr. I do an idea week, which I really need to get back on. I have not done. Uh, I have ideas, people. I'm an idea person. So i put out like what I would like to see. As a literary agent, I put out all these ideas and said, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Like these are the stories. And like, I'm not seeing them. So I was like, this is what I want. And it's kind of a manuscript wish list. And I've continued that on like, Doing, putting out these ideas and they are half price on my service list and I will do a huge developmental read for you like that is my favorite kind of read like I am looking at plot I'm looking at character I'm looking at dialogue I'm reading everything for you like from beginning to end like we're going through the whole thing and I'm going to give you my entire opinion. You'll get notes on like line edits. You're going to get beat of fixings for you. Like, is your quotation off? Do you need to call me here? I'm going to do that. Like as a read, I don't skip over anything because that's annoying. I, I can't let that go. So <laughs> I'm going to fix it. And like that is offered as a service. I will also read partials as a service, like your short stories, your essays. If you have 50 pages, like your first three chapters you want done, I'm gonna read the same way. And I'm not a copy editor by any means, but I offer a late copy edit, like, I will do that for you per it's based on an hour, like an hourly rate. Like I do mostly flat 
fees on like my reads but if you want like a copy edit or if you want a consultation like with your sublets if you've done all the homework you know your project you know it best you set yourself up for like the best you can be so you have already like research your agents and you have a huge list and you want me to look at the list and tell you no don't go to so-and-so go here that's using the knowledge i had as an agent as a literary agent um i'm using that knowledge in my editing business you know like offering consulting and same with the writing coach. Like I will for three months be your agent. Like I'll read and I will read your vision. I'll talk to you about like other ideas for other books that you might have in the future. Like I, I will take your 2 a.m. emails when you're complaining about how a so-and-so is a bestseller and you're not even like close to finishing your book like wtf right <laughs> like <laughs> i am i'm there for you i'm gonna good for you there is not an amount of money you could pay me to take those emails <laughs> as an agent i'm really nice and i took them all the time so i figure hey i'm gonna do this and it's fine like i used to it i'm very like nice <laughs> in some ways i might give you a harsh critique and i may real talk with you a lot or whatever but i am a really supportive nurturing person i will take your 2am meal i will like talk to you about your ideas i will talk branding with you I will like brainstorm. I will be your sounding board. I'll even talk like character names. Like anything you want. I'm your best to use me in any capacity. And that's how I was as an agent. Like when you talk about Cordy versus Amy, I'm like, I did everything. Like Courtney is more of a, like I balance ideas off. I would, read and reread and reread like as much uh, or as little as she wanted and amy it's like she didn't need me to read and reread and balance ideas back and forth she wanted me to like talk to her editor for she wanted like me to do the business side that i don't really like doing now i'm an editor i chose this life basically because i'm not a suit i'm not an accountant i'm not like a lawyer i don't want to look at contracts i don't want to look at your royalties i want to just read i just want you to come to me i want to put your best book forward i want to help you succeed and that's what i'm doing with feral girl books i love what i'm doing right now i love it shows okay i can hear it in the way that you talk about it how excited and enthusiastic you are uh, of course i wanted to make sure i work in there just because i i 
I don't want to don't miss the moment. Um, are you, I know obviously your background is primarily working with traditionally published authors. Are you working now with indie published authors as well? I will work with all kinds of authors, like indie published, that self-published, right? So uh -huh. I'll work with like you and your goal. Like if you tell me what you want, I will work with you on it. Like I will help you achieve those things if you want i will talk to you about those ideas and how to brand i'm not good at marketing because i didn't have that background like that's more of a publishing background but i'll support you and i will help you come up with ideas i mean courtney had to the girls like hashtag to the girls for all the rage or whatever when it came out and that was her idea that wasn't see martin that was her she's very business savvy she's very like on the ball when it comes to things like that and you know i will talk to you about things like that and i'll support you i will do 100 i think i did to the girls like 10 or more times like i had something to say because like that's who i am like this is my background and like i am a feminist i am a female i'm gonna support you doing to the girls because if i have that advice when i was younger like yeah i would probably be a better person <laughs> well i think we're uh, the world's getting better one generation at a time so we're doing the best we can presently and hopefully the next generation will be even better exactly or it'll be terrible and we'll die off and it won't bother us so let me uh let me ask you this what um oh what's the best way to, to let me ask you just a basic question I'm always asking, what are the most common mistakes that you're seeing authors make? Where do you find that um, that you're spending most of your time editing and coaching authors to? You know, that's, it, every author is different, but I'm finding like a lot of authors, even when I was agenting, they, this was a problem. Like authors withhold a lot of information. And so they're like, oh they have the big twist or reveal at the end and i think of it more as your scooby-doo moment you know like taking off the mask and it's like some random person you had no idea it was even possible to be like the culprit is and you're like um no who's this gas station attendant that is now like your killer because that's unfair. It's like, you cannot as reader read that story from the beginning to the end, play detective, because that's fun, like figuring out like who it might be. And if it's some random person, you're never gonna be able to guess. And to me, that is lazy storytelling. Like, I think that you have to care about the victims, you have to care about the narrator, and you have to care about the culprit. And if you're doing something so random, like 
no one's gonna get and no one's gonna care and they're gonna get mad and no one wants your next book that's just a terrible terrible idea and you know not all of your information is gonna be important to the end or is gonna tell you that i don't know it's gonna hint at like like what the big reveal is like it's not not okay to hold back all of the information you should probably pepper it throughout your book because if you're holding it back like no one's gonna get to the end of your book no one's gonna care if they're who won is if they don't like you you need to tell us in the beginning or whatever maybe in the middle who Juan is and if he was adopted or the long-lost brother of so-and-so i mean give your reader a fighting chance to like figure things out because that's gonna be clever it's not clever if you withhold that info it's not it's lazy it's bad writing and it's not fun it's really frustrating there is a best-selling mystery novelist who I, I try never to author shame so i won't say his name even though he's really famous um uh, and i he'd, he'd written a series uh, about a uh, detective that i really enjoyed but he got to one book and he was trying to launch into a new series so the detective got um i think blown up but he was out for the count for a little while but it was a first person narrative so we switched to the first person narrative of two new detectives and one of those detectives went on to star in her other series. And the other detective, who in the first person tried to solve the mystery until the, the last couple of chapters, then revealed himself to be the killer. And I threw the book across the room and I said, no, you knew the whole time, yeah, you exactly. liar. That's not okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not fair if you don't give us hints or if you don't tell us. You can do twisty ends and you can do big reveals and it's fun. And like, I enjoy being shocked. I've seen like so many movies. I've read so many books. I enjoy a really good mystery. I enjoy when I feel like surprised at like the end because most of the time, I'm not surprised. Like, I knew it's the sixth sense that the guy died. I knew Bruce Willis was dead from the get-go because he told you he died. You saw him get shot. I knew. I mean, it's clever. It was really well done. And that was an amazing book. Or amazing movie, sorry. But, um, like, I think you have to have like clues like that. You have to be able to put two and two together in order for something like this to be read and be seen and figured out and be shocked. And you have to really invest your time in these characters, in this plot. You have to care. And if you're withholding information, if you're telling people that, oh no, that's gonna come at the end, it's like no one's gonna read to the end 
I mean, I, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. And that's, that's a harsh truth. Like editors are really like picky about what they're picking up and what they're reading and what they're even publishing. You're not going to get published if you're not good enough. And that just simply isn't good enough. You need to be able to be a master at your craft. And withholding information is not being masterful. That's also, I'm sure, true of um, genres outside of, of mysteries. If you're oh, doing sure. a romance, it has to make sense yeah. that these two people would be right for each exactly. other. And you have a plot, the characters have to be consistent. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm just thinking of mysteries because they're so big and like it's what I've been reading a lot. And that's the big pitfall is like, figuring out these characters lives and like who's doing the killing basically who's doing whatever it is you know so a theory of mine and it is just a theory but i i i teach writing workshops uh which you can sign up for at middlegradeninstitute.com um and i'm uh always trying to instill in people, if you're gonna spend your resources on editing, uh, look to spend at least 40, 50% of your time in those first 50, first 75 pages, then make sure you get your, your middle and spend some time on the ending, but that ending sells the next book. If you don't get it, if you don't hook your reader and get them in right there at the, the start, Aye. like you said, you don't have to worry about the ending. Exactly, I think Mickey Spillane, he's like, obviously I don't know, if your readers know about him, but he was like that crime novelist with this detective, Mike Hammer. He said your opening will sell the the book, but the ending will sell your next book. And I totally believe that. Like, yes, you have to hook your readers the first like 50 pages, your opening has to be like, a ton of work like you have character you have dialogue you have to introduce us you have to build your world you have to introduce us to everything there is and the ending is just as important as like your first your opener hooks the reader to like want to read more and continue reading your last your last line your last chapter whatever like make the reader want to continue reading you you can't like not have a good opener and a good closer you have to have both well, especially now that uh, we're in the age that we're in i would say there's never been a better time to be an author because uh, here I am, I'm in Indiana, you're in Oregon, and we're having this conversation. And we can reach anybody in the world right now if we are of a mind to. Um, but that means that your readers have got more pressures for their time than ever before. And I'm reading a fair amount of my books right here on the old smartphone just because it's always in my pocket. Uh, and if I get to the end of your chapter and I'm not compelled, I'm not interested, I've got all of my email there. I've got my Twitter feed there. Yeah. I've got all of social media. I, if you lose me, you might lose me forever in any given chapter. Yeah, and I find like because I was an agent and because editors are, are reading like all the time. And so it's we we kind of know within like the first line, the first 
however many pages, like 10 pages, if we're going to continue reading. I know that's really unfair because some stories actually don't start until 50 pages in. Maybe that's like the beginning, but I'm always telling readers maybe like less is more. Like maybe you need to learn to cut your first five pages and cut the ending because like you i don't think like a lot of writers know what is a good start and what is a good end um i really like starting at in action like having most of the backstory be your back story like probably you're starting this happened then this happened then this happened to, to get to the point where you actually are starting the story and like where it's interesting uh you don't need the whole this 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 have that in the background have that like have her mention it like or have him mention it but it doesn't need to be seen you know like we can start at page 50 or 75 and you can mention everything or do flashbacks and have the character like acknowledge these things happen to them uh to get at this point but we don't as reader need to be bogged down with this information you know let me uh ask you about dialogue uh, versus description because this is a constant bait of mine of trying to figure out what is the right amount of um, dialogue to description uh, how much time should I spend on body language describing the room past a certain point? We've all been to a bar. Tell me a couple of maybe distinct details about it and then let's move on. What is a good rule of thumb for you or what do you recommend that your writers do? I don't really have a ratio or whatever for, for that. Um, I think it's largely intuitive. I think that you like every project is different so therefore it's like it's up to you like what do you think do you want pacing to be fast or do you want it to be slow because if you want to slow your pacing down you would give more description you would give more like internal dialogue and thought and you would process these things and if you were looking for like a heart pounding like to, like part of your story or description or whatever, you're going to have more dialogue. You're gonna cut, you're gonna have these fragmented sentences. You're gonna want the faster, you know? But if you want to like slow it down, you're gonna describe. So really it's up to you like how much you want for certain scenes it's like what's your intention for that part of the story so if we're at a, a space where the conflict is rising and we need to get to the next scene then yeah. hurry it up cut everything but the absolute essentials yeah, to get exactly like make it punchy make it choppy like like i would say yeah you you're not necessarily like wanting to cut everything because 
you still want he said she said they said you want like the modifiers because you don't want to confuse your reader and yeah maybe we've all been to the bar so like maybe you can have one or two distinguishing factors or you can say like she shifted on her bar seat or something or bro stool or whatever um, so work that description into an action yeah. so you're getting two for the price of one yes exactly work it in make it work for the scene like tell us but you don't have to like go into detail because we've all been there you know we all know we've been there a million times i'm chuckling because it's a middle grade show and i, I was going for a common uh a common place we've all been. I could have said classroom. I could have said Zoom. Nope, straight to bar. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Amy, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to narrow this down to just two more questions and then we'll call it a day. Um, but a question that uh, plagues me, I'm going to check. I have some questions for you about imagery and some other stuff. Let's check that stuff. Something that bugs me in a book uh, is when a character sits and thinks, and it's usually because we've just had a bunch of action to pull us into the story, and now they've got to deliver some backstories. So the character will sit down, and or they're they're not literally sitting and thinking. Maybe they're doing dishes. They're doing some activity where the main purpose of that is for them to have thoughts about the backstory that we need to know or whatever we need to understand for the scene. What's the best way to give those types of scenes life and a way to, to eliminate them? Well, it depends. Oh, like what do you mean by give them life? Um, if I've got a character that's uh, sitting and thinking um, about backstory or something we need to know, or you know, she was looking at her phone, her mother was calling, do I want to talk to my mom? Here's all the bad things that happened between me and my mom that you need to know before I pick up the phone and have this conversation. And maybe that goes on for a half a page or a page. And it drives me nuts because that's all stuff that's happened. I want stuff moving. That's, uh, yeah, moving yeah, yeah. Story. I, I get what you mean. Um, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, I'm reading like two pages before you pick up the phone because this happened, that this happened. No, it's the same thing. Like, I think you should incorporate like, like your, your dialogue and your imagery and your description. I know it's a tall order. I know that it's overwhelming and that's what you need an editor like me to help you like figure things out because for me i'm just like a person i have no idea like i don't know anything but when i read it like i can see it like i know what needs to be done or what needs to be cut it's really hard to sit here and tell you like what you should be doing because i don't know until i look at this pages in front of me and say oh this this part should be here and move this here and like i'm really all about like big picture development read like oh cut page 90 let's move 88 to page one or chapter one and people get freaked out and they're like, oh my God, my whole thing, my my whole book is gone. And oh, I'm, I know I'm, that feeling. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does, but it's going to make your book stronger. I don't go into reading thinking like, I'm going to make a really bad book. 
like that doesn't happen and i know that you as a reader have like maybe you're fearful or whatever but you shouldn't be like you're in really good hands i'm gonna take care of you and yeah i know it's scary to move chapter one to 88 or 88 to one or whatever um but like i'm gonna read with you in mind like i know your career goals what the time you've talked i know what you want to get from point a to point b and i'm gonna help you get to point a to point b like i don't know the correct answer right off the top of my head right now to help you but like her acceptable i want you to give me the one piece of advice that will make all of my writing yeah, excellent right? forever well, from, like, from her picking up the phone to like, yeah, I think it's annoying too to have two pages of description. So I do want, maybe you don't put those two pages of description. Maybe I've known beforehand some of her problems with her mom before she picks up the phone or doesn't pick up the phone. So before don't info dump don't put like all this information between the phone call and her picking up the phone like don't do that like pepper it throughout your story like don't give me all this info make it happen just like i said don't withhold information till the end because it drives you nuts like take your info and put it throughout the story so we are aware we already know these problems exist and so you don't have to have two pages between explaining and she doesn't have to think maybe it's a paragraph well that's how i feel <laughs> it makes sense i want you to come to my next critique group because there's a couple of authors and in, in, in specific i have this advice in mind for or i'm just going to play this because I, I, I i've been saying this for a couple of sessions now i'm just going to have amy tip to tell you what i said and then we'll be in good shape uh last question for you what um if there was one bit of advice uh, that you wish every writer could hear that you'd like to impart to every writer who might be watching or listening what advice would you give them man I would say write as you speak, like to make a dialogue feel real, write it as you would speak, maybe not do as much, like I say like way too much. Hello, California Valley girl. <laughs> but um, I would say like these complex situations or complex ideas that you have, need simple explanations like don't be afraid to say i was adopted or whatever you know like put it out there tell us don't like withhold the info for a leader tell us point blank do it simple it's better don't use these ten dollar words that you learned in like college because like if your character doesn't speak that way it sounds weird it sounds forced it sounds unnatural it doesn't sound believable write it the way you speak read your work out loud like that is the best way if you read 
out loud to yourself, you're gonna notice pacing, you're gonna get like misspellings. Yeah, you're gonna catch what needs to be caught. That's really like the best advice I can give you. And you know, like you read everything, read quietly. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's, that's my uh, mantra for the show. Uh, writers need to read, get out there, read. Well, yeah. I could uh, ask you a million questions and if I don't stop myself, I will, because <laughs> I want to pick your brain all day. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time oh, to do thank this. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone listening, please uh, check in at amy-tipton.com. At least those of you who want your books to be made better, reach out to Amy and Feral, uh, Feral Girl Books. Uh, and and, and uh, find out more about her services and what she can do to help you out. Uh, as always, check me out at middlegradeninja.com. Don't forget to download your free copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. If you like it, uh, leave a review. That's very thoughtful of you. I so appreciate it. Uh, Amy, we've been doing a sign-off phrase, and I've been making other people say it. The sign-off phrase is hi-ya and what have you. Will you sign off for us? What do I say? Uh, hiya and what have you hiya and what have you perfect very ninja like we'll see you guys <laughs> next time thanks so much for tuning in thank you Amy. Um.